Welcome to Delta, the podcast that dives into the heart of healthcare innovation. Each episode, we bring you insightful conversations with people who are at the forefront of the industry, researchers, policymakers, and startup founders. Join us as we explore the challenges, triumphs, and breakthroughs that are driving a significant change for a Delta in the healthcare system. Today's episode is brought to you by Supportful. Are you looking to grow your team and hire engineers? Look no further. Supportful is a company specializing in connecting you with the right people with the right skills. Whether you are building a web application or a mobile app, Supportful can help. They specialize in offering high-quality remote talent and have established successful partnerships with companies in the US, Europe, and Singapore. Additionally, Supportful addresses the brain drain in Lebanon, aiming to retain young, skilled professionals in the country by promoting remote work opportunities. Physicians spend quite some time of their training in residency or fellowship, which are considered the busiest years of their life. However, managing their schedule efficiently can be a logistic nightmare. Ensuring that residents are assigned to the right night shift, taking into account their preferences, clinical requirements, and the need for fair distribution, it's not just a matter of convenience, it's a matter of patient care and resident well-being. Furthermore, in many programs, residence scheduling is one of the administrative tasks of chief residents which could add up to their clinical duties, another task that has no benefit for their own professional growth. This is where Mesh AI steps in. Dr. Yousefi and his team have recognized the critical importance of streamlined resident scheduling in healthcare institutions. Mesh AI groundbreaking platform is designed to alleviate the burdens associated with this process, reducing staff scheduling time by a remarkable 80% and eliminating the pain and the frustration that often accompany scheduling challenges. In the last episode, we talked to Dr. Yousefi about the start of Mesh AI. Today, we're going to discuss fundraising challenges in the health tech industry, the importance of pursuing mentorship in the healthcare and finally, insight that Dr. Yousefi gained throughout his journey. Stay tuned. Gotcha. When we were also talking earlier, you mentioned that your biggest investors um, are your customers. Can you touch base about bit fundraising? I think as an academic person, you applied for a grant, and now as an entrepreneur, fundraising is a challenge. Uh, what has been your approach and your experience in when you secure funding for Mesh AI? And I, my, my understanding is you almost like bootstrap this, all of it. Um, can you give me tips about fundraising and, and how did you bootstrap this company uh, from nothing to where it is right now? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really not the most intelligent person in this space um, or knowledgeable person in this space. But I can tell you this, uh, for me, just my background and there are different philosophies around fundraising and some are more uh, adaptable to the situation we are in right now in november december of 2023 with uh, the the state of funding and how tight investors have become compared to 2020 to 2021 obviously different philosophies different time timelines but my overall philosophy is being really capital efficient being responsible with capital and, uh, and this is the thing that we have embedded in everything we do at the company. Being responsible is one of the things we look for. As I mentioned, we hire people 
resourceful and responsible. Uh, every single dollar matters, and it doesn't matter where that comes from, from a customer, how, how would that go circle back into feature development, product development to help that same customer, or coming from you know a safe or kiss money through any other program that is supposed to help us grow. We, want, we wanted to make sure that when we do this, we are product market channel fit. So we took our time, we experimented as much as needed, and uh, and we got to a place where we knew we had product market channel fit, and that really changes the equation. Today, we don't go to investors. They typically come to us. And uh, why we have just opened up the first investment round for Mesh uh, at a pre-seed seed level, uh, we only talk to investors that we think would add the strategic value to Mesh. So it's not just the dollars that matter for us. It's what what their time network expertise can do for uh, for the product and the future of the product and the clinicians we serve and support today. So um, I, while I'm not providing general advice, my 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 overall philosophy that has worked for us is to be capital efficient and really staying true to your philosophy and making sure that whatever money you bring on, uh, the source of that money is going to be aligned with your underlying philosophies. Wow, that's amazing. I love how much you value. It's not only about the money, it's also where the money comes from, which is something I touch base because like when you bring money, you also bring some control. You also bring some value. It depends on who are bringing. So you might either lose control or you might grow your network depending on where the money is coming from. Not all money is created equally. Mm -hmm. that's, that's so true. I love that. I'm going to quote you. Not all money is created equally. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> exactly. I, I've seen this. Like I've seen it a lot. I've, I, I, I've, I spent so many times. Like I remember this startup where I was working with a group and they were going to invest in, in this startup. But the problem was the founders have less than 30% and some sort of investor who does nothing have 50 plus percent of the company. And the problem is like, how would you motivate the founders to do more work, to grow the company? They don't have enough equity in it. They lost control. Absolutely. Both equity ownership and control. Absolutely. Key players. And they could ru really ruin relationships at times if they're not done properly. And also take, take the ship off its main track. I love uh, that viewpoint that you offer. Yeah. I think also like going out and building things on your own could be sometimes challenging. Did you seek mentorship? Was there someone who helped you through this? Or did you do it the hard way? You figure things out by yourself. It's been a mixed, Rupin. Uh, and unfortunately, just mistake. I think rather than repeating mistakes, it's always good to um, to. Uh, know the state of uh, the art because entrepreneurship is despite you know the debate that has been going on for decades it's a learnable skill and uh, there are people who talk about genetics being a big part of it uh, yeah just like everything else there's nature and nurture but I think the big part of entrepreneurship is the fo following the science of course the odds are against you and it's one in 10 or 20 companies that will go past this stage or that stage but you can you can do it right and you can follow the science and system that is there and then you can minimize for the parts or control for the parts that you can control. Things that are out of your hand, like pandemics and markets, it's very hard to control them, but you can at least control 
your behavior, right? And, and what you do in response to these and how agile you are. So I would say for us, uh, we've made mistakes by, by not looking into the literature and seeking advice, but you know, people like Brian Chesky from Airbnb, Ben Horowitz from uh, uh, A16Z, those are my favorite uh, um, people to go to or, or follow when it comes to challenges. Um, often, often Lupin challenges are not new. It might be a new segment, it might be a new person, but the overall challenge has been seen before, done, done before. So it's always good to reach out through media, writings, books, as well as individuals if you have access to and ask for help. And uh, I truly believe in that right now, uh, making sure that you always have uh, in fact, this is from Brian Chesky. One of the things that he talks about is that it's not it's not important to know the answer, but at any moment, it's, it's good to know who is the best person on the planet who has the answer. Just knowing that is the most important thing for growth. Uh, and so that that really has stuck with me. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think also when it comes to mentorship, you, you, you don't need someone sometimes to meet people um, to learn from them. Uh, lots of famous pe people like or people who achieved in this space like wrote books and left marks so just go and read it and uh, that book is just it's going to be the concentrated experience of that but of course if you can meet with them um, that's better but also not having a mentor that doesn't mean like you should still figure things out on your own because like the road has been already established you have to figure out the signs i admire how much you read rupen one day you should publish your list of favorite books in this space. Uh, I will. <laughs> I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that personally. So I'd like to see that list. <laughs> I will. I will. I, I will share my entire Audible and Kindle library. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so I, I just want to also like ask about, so you've been doing this for a while and I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot. I want to reflect on the lessons that you learned from this journey. Are there any key lessons or insights you wish you had known earlier? And what advice do you give an academic person who's sitting right now listening to this podcast? Apart from the one that I mentioned, really don't forget the importance of your team and find people that are complementary to you and your skills, but share the same vision and philosophy. Because like I, I can use the analogy of religion, you know, making sure they've got the same religion almost, but but <laughs> how you know how they practice it, they could be different and they should be complementary to you. So that's I think that's the big one. But um, we touched on it already. The other one that is very important that I had to learn, this is the one I had to learn about the, the hard way, um, is uh going narrow, going focused and very narrow. It, it's so easy to get uh pulled in different directions, um, because there's just so many things you could do when you're building. And uh, when you're helping people, uh, people come to your life, they cross paths with you. They've got, sometimes they've got exactly the same pain for which you're building a painkiller. Sometimes that's not the case. And really knowing when to say no. And, and uh, on that note, one big advice that I have that I will never forget that I share with everybody is that when it comes to building, yes, of course, investors are looking for multi-billion, tens and hundreds of billion dollar markets. That's fine and dandy. But the market we, we attack, the beachhead market where you begin with, should be much smaller. In fact, that's I think if you're looking at a market, you're building for a market that is a billion dollar market, you're probably off. 
earlier earlier stages, you're probably building something that is going to impact maybe only a ten million or twenty million dollar market. And then it's from the learning and building and getting uh, credentials within that market that you can grow. So of course, it is very important to choose that market where you can see that's a subset of a much bigger market. You can see that could grow. That is important, but you can't really think about the big market until it's the right time and staying focused on that smaller market or switching quickly to the next smaller market is really the key to success for a lot of uh, um, specifically software companies, I would say. I can't agree more. I, uh, I haven't founded a company yet, but this concept I heard in many books, in many podcasts so far, uh, it takes discipline to focus on one thing. And I think this comes also like whatever you're saying, it, it, it reminds me of two books, actually. They talk about the same thing. Uh, Peter Thiel in his book, Zero to One and Blue Ocean Strategy. They both focus on one thing. If you have a big $1 billion market, that means the competition is fierce. And that's a red ocean. It's a bloody ocean. Avoid that. And I think one of the most common um, uh, solar system companies uh, where it's a billion dollar market, but like no one so far has been succeeding uh, unless like uh, they are Elon Musk. Uh, so because it, it's a huge market, but the competition is so fierce. You, you can't find your niche. That's great. Those are, those are two great books, by the way, for that area. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, all right. Um, so locating your target customer within the healthcare system can be very challenging. Healthcare is different from selling something on Amazon where you know who is your customer. Healthcare, you don't know who's going to pay for you. And also persuading hospitals also to invest money in software that can handle things that already handled by chief residents is even more challenging. Can you share strategies and methods um, that you employ to successfully convince hospitals or program directors to try MeshiAI? Absolutely. Um, so right now we're extremely fortunate. And uh, but as Louis Pasteur said, luck favors the prepared mind. It's probably not just luck. For us, the way it worked out was that, you know, we learned a lesson. We made a bunch of mistakes. We learned that we have to stay focused. And uh, when we started building specifically for residency programs and a product that helps program directors and chief residents, as much as it helps schedulees, in, in building what we wanted to call at that point collaborative scheduling, uh, we really uh, learned that um, if you do that well, people will come, right? And people will talk. So in fact, 85% of our um, um, demos today are coming through referrals. Now, physicians that talk to other physicians, we don't really have to uh, pay, you know, Facebook and Google and, you know, expensive marketing traction channels to get, to get leads majority are coming through referrals and people saying good things. So we really, at the moment, as we're expanding to, you know, go to much larger systems and selling more and more enterprise solutions that cover the entire residency programs of, uh, you know, um, uh, PGME programs or entire hospitals and very large healthcare systems in Canada, U.S. that uh, uh, we're launching and uh, working towards uh, uh, finishing uh, the, the process it's been really that luxury that people had heard good things and they came to us. So I think it really goes back to that focus uh, for your previous question, Rupen, that if you keep focusing on certain individuals with very specific pain points and you do that well, execute well, 
then then you can really benefit from that network effect, domino effect. Uh, so that's really uh, the thing that happened for us, and we're really uh, fortunate to be able to uh, grow on that wave. Gotcha. Um, you've been in this space for a while. Um, what trends or emerging technologies in healthcare or AI do you believe or do you think it, ha it will have the most significant impact on healthcare? And what strategies do you think also Mesha will implement to stay in the head of the game? That's a good one. Uh, I think my answer is probably going to be a bit boring. Um, you know, um, the AI of Mesh AI is not artificial intelligence, it's augmented intelligence. I truly believe in, in uh, you know, again, I'm going to focus on healthcare for now because it's going to be, uh, be a lot easier to answer the question within the boundaries of healthcare. That, you know, healthcare is human-focused, human-centric, and it's going to stay that way. But from reading X-ray images and CD scans all the way to scheduling, there is no doubt in my mind that providing the tools to these resilient, intelligent people we call physicians and nurses and you know fellows residents, it is going to be a positive thing net for everybody. And there's absolutely no way around it. This is happening as we speak. So just making sure that when these people are making decisions, being who be it who is going to be the person who who will cover this particular anesthesiology shift on Friday or or you know what is my decision or opinion about this particular CT scan that you could you could enhance it, you can reduce the errors, you can improve the speed and quality overall by providing technology. So um, so I think AI is obviously going to be a big part of it. It's a buzzword that has been almost uh, become synonymous with negative feelings right now because everybody tags along AI and we're doing AI. You go deep and it's very basic algorithmic work or machine learning work. So we don't want to say uh, that we're, uh, we're, you know, we're building the next AI scheduler. We're we're building the best, easiest tool that we need today. And now, in 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 relation to your question for the future, we truly believe the future is a future that we get rid of as much administrative and repetitive work as we can from our clinicians and really empowering our clinicians. This is, the, this, is, this is the thing that I'm extremely passionate about, Rupin. If you look at the trends, you know, when my grandfather used to tell me as a kid that, hey, things are messy now. When you got sick, when you were a small child, I would just give a call to a doctor and the best doctor in town would come into the house with a letter case would take care of you, you know? And, and so I think, you know, think about this modalities of healthcare from home healthcare, hospital at home and, and things like that. And, and you think about the trend over the past several decades, what you see, and we have numbers to back it up, is that our clinicians are losing power. They're losing control. These people who had the oath, who are here to help patients, the majority are here in this business because they love medicine, can't make business decisions anymore. They can't even de decide about very basic things from what medication they choose at times to what the follow-up should be next because of business decisions, because of the MBAs, without any disrespect to MBAs who run healthcare systems, I think that's wrong. I philosophically believe medical doctors with appropriate business training should lead healthcare systems because they understand it. They, they're, they're in it for the right reasons. So I think uh, where we're going is really in that direction, really taking 
taking these processes, making them as easy as possible with what we call augmented intelligence. I really appreciate you touched on a point that has been like bothering me for a while. It's how the healthcare system runs. Again, nothing wrong with having an MBA, nothing wrong with people with the MBA, but the healthcare system mostly runs with people with background of MBA without understanding uh, how the healthcare system works. And that's how I tell like um, other people, like don't think, people think that physicians get paid a lot. Well, we don't. First amount of stress that we go through during work is enormous. We lose our 20s because it takes 10 to 20, 12 years to become a physician. And then eventually, when you become a physician, you are a very well-paid employee. You don't decide which weekends to work. You don't decide which nights to take. You don't decide where to see your patients. You don't decide when to book your patients. Sometimes you don't even decide what treatment you can give to patients because insurance or the government covers it or doesn't cover it. Although you have all the reasons to give that patient that treatment, which is very frustrating. And that's why I'm trying to bring people uh, like you to this podcast because like we really need people to understand how the healthcare system runs beyond numbers that 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 really makes sense absolutely yeah beyond the numbers yeah it's a, it's a, when you, when you're playing with people's lives putting everything into a bunch of kpis that have to do with money is is uh counterintuitive uh you know people think that it works but at the end of the day it backfires and we end up where we are. Yeah. All right. As we wrap up, um, is there any additional message or insights you would like to share with the audience, especially those who might be intrigued by the intersection of technology and healthcare? Good one. You know, having spent the past 10 years in healthcare, learning healthcare, right? And I can say maybe right now, after 10 years of reading as an academic, which who loves information and goes deep, I probably know 5% of healthcare. Um, and in, so that's, that's, that's where I am. Uh, and, but in that 5%, I've learned how broken it is. You know, uh, I used to believe, and I still believe that healthcare is designed to be broken. It's not broken and, and has to do with certain decisions that have been made that, you know, I consciously use the word designed to be broken because there are people who are aware of it and are not willing to make a change for a variety of reasons. Um, so, um, I've seen so much moral injury in healthcare, um, you know, really decisions that people are making and in their too conscious, they know it's not right. And they go home at night and, um, they are anxious and they're stressed and sad, but they have to make those decisions to be able to continue working for the healthcare systems they work for. So, um, the message I have is that for people in healthcare, ask people around you how they feel. Don't, don't just assume they're doing okay. Ask them how they feel. I've lost close close friends to suicide in healthcare as well. So ask them how they feel. And uh, and if they're not happy about their schedule, um, this is my shameless plugging. Tell them to check us out. Check Meshai out. And if we can help, uh, money has never been the driver for us. We're here to make a difference. And if we can empower you, if we can make life better and reduce work-life conflicts for you through collaborative scheduling, we will make it happen. So just ask people around you how they feel and take care of them. Thank you so much. This is so inspiring. And uh, I, 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 we've been meeting for a while, but like this is the first time. I learned more about you than all the meetings combined. And I'm so happy that we did this together. Thank you, Rupen. Thanks for inviting me for this. Always Thank a pleasure. Thank you so much.